appreciate God's word as he has spoken through the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. I, I really do believe 2,000 years later, it still speaks to us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Reads, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our, our brother Sothosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every praise, place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confer confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless to the, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. And by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to, to hear a word from you. We thank you for the, the many elements of worship that we've experienced already. The prayers and songs that have been sung and gifts that have been given. But now, as we come to your word, Father, I pray that you would help us, that you would give us the grace that is necessary to hear a message from you, that you would open up our ears, our eyes, our, our lives to what you have to say to us, Lord. And I recognize that I have a part in this. And so if you would, Lord, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my, my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, I can't do this without you. And so I need your help today. I recognize that. And I pray, Lord, that there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that today would be that day. I pray, Lord, that if there's a believer that's here that's struggling or going through something or even just uh, is unaware of what you're asking them, that has come here today thinking everything is right, everything is just as good as it can be, but you have a message for them. I pray, Lord, that today that you would allow this time to be a time where they hear a word from you and are moved to obedience. And if that's the case, Lord, then we would give you all the honor and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. I really do believe that, that God's word is written in such a way that it will change the hearts of men. Uh, I, I, I believe that to be true. And one of the reasons why we preach expository preaching here, word by word, verse by verse, is I, I really do believe that it's not my opinion that's going to change your heart. It's God's word. It's what feeds us. And we need to hear it. And sometimes... As we, as we preach the word of God and as we listen, sometimes we think, well, man, this is going on for a long time, or maybe this is... But I, I do believe, friends, that the word of God is living and active. And that it's, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it will speak to you. 
If you're willing to listen, if you're willing to hear, Paul was inspired by God to write this letter to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth had issues. You ever been a part of a church that had issues? Well, Some of the rampant issues in the church in Corinth were disunity. They, they had claims of uh, spiritual advantage over other believers. They were suing each other in public courts. They were abusing the Lord's Supper. There was sexual morality throughout the church. Paul wrote to demand higher and ethical moral standards for this congregation. Note that Paul was a man, he was saved by grace. He is a living, he was a living example of what it meant to be living one way and then God interferes, steps in and calls him to live a life that's repentant. Saved by the grace of God. Repentance is a spiritual discipline and transformation is a byproduct of that life that has been repentant. Maybe no better example in all of scripture than Paul's life of a life that's been repentant. That's lived one way. I mean, when God got a hold of him, he was on his way to abuse Christians, persecute them, kill them if necessary. Men and women who would not deny the faith. He was there at, at Stephen's death, friends. Stoning, because he would not deny. God interfered, stepped in and called him to proclaim, to preach the gospel to the lost. <laughs> Verse 1 says that Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothosthenes. Throughout Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, you will see that Paul has, he has to defend his apostleship. There are some letters that Paul writes like say Philippians where there is a clear love for one another Paul is very kind to them and in that relationship is reciprocal they, they love Paul I mean they support Paul financially when he's in prison they give to him they make sure that he has food to eat they make sure that somebody's caring for his needs when he's there I mean there is a strong love for one another but when you read Corinthians both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, there is definitely a difference in the tone of this letter. There is. It's, it's undeniable. Paul is very kind to them. He thanks them for their love and their support. But it's a labor of love. <laughs> he still loves them. But it's a little bit tougher. 
There's a strong number of people there that don't appreciate Paul. They, they don't like his letters. They don't like his attitude. They don't like him. They really don't even think that he's an apostle. They question his apostleship. And Paul has to defend it, not only in 1 Corinthians, but in 2 Corinthians. <laughs> so Paul makes sure that he tells them, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To be an apostle means that you have a firsthand witness of what Christ had done. And that you were commissioned by Christ himself to do the work of an evangelist, to do the work that he has called you to do. Paul believed that being an apostle, and the church did too, that an apostle was the highest of callings. When we get to chapter 9 and 15, Paul will talk more in detail about his apostleship, but just an FYI, there is no orthodox teaching in 2,000 years of church history that denies Paul's apostleship. Okay? If you have any doubt, I would encourage you to reread the book of Acts. The second name that is mentioned here, Sothosthenes, was the co-sender of the letter. letter. Probably the man who delivered this letter, he was not a co-author, okay? He did not co-write this. Some might say that he did, but there's no good academic research that actually proves that to be so. It's much more likely that he just sent this, okay? He was just a sender. But he did help Paul in his ministry to this church in Corinth, not to devalue anything that he's done. Verse 2 reads, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, if there's any doubt who this letter is addressed to, here's an answer. I want to, though, today to look at just a few key words in these two verses. The first word is sanctified. It's, in Greek, it's hagazio. It's a verb. The word means to, to be holy, to separate to cleanse, to purify. Paul says to the church in Corinth, you have been purified. Again, this is to the church, to people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, people who have been forgiven of their sins. You've been purified, you've been cleansed, you've been made holy in Christ Jesus. Sanctification is a process, and this verse isn't arguing that, that against that, but rather stating that the church in Corinth has been set apart and shouldn't be acting like the, the hooligans around them, the, the pagans, the, the heathens. You know what a heathen is? Have kids. You'll find out. They're heathens. They don't act right. They don't mind. They, I have a son. His name is Hat. He does whatever he wants. You can't talk sense into the kid. You can't reason with him. You can't make, there's no logical explanation to anything he does or anything that he says. He just does what he wants. It's a heathen. It's your fault. Paul is saying, hey, don't act like these people. You've been, you've been sanctified. You've been set apart. You're holy people. Second word I want you to look at here is called. The word called means to be invited. When God calls a person to salvation, he invites them to a relationship with him. 
He says, hey, I want to, be, I want, I want to know you. I want you to know me. Come, come, come join the party. Come join the family of God. It's calling. God initiates that call, friends. If you think you're here by any other reason than God has invited you here, you're mistaken. God picks up the phone. It's our responsibility to answer the call. Today's passage scripture is saying they are called to be saints together with all, all those who, in every place, who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, you're, you're invited to be a part of not just you and yourself and I, but everybody that calls upon the name of Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad, right? Be holy. Live in community with one another doesn't seem too hard until you try to be holy and try to live with other people. Then it becomes really hard. You ever try to be holy? You ever try to live in community with one another? You think holiness is bad? Try doing it around other people. (laughs) If we truly lived in Christian community, I'm not talking about living in each other's houses, but in community, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, forgiving each other, we would quickly realize that we know nothing about true community, nor do we know anything about true holiness. What I mean by that, and more importantly, what I believe that Paul is trying to say in 1 Corinthians is that holiness and community go together. Holiness and community go together. Don't believe me, follow along. Verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. There may be some who are not thankful for Paul. Paul reminds them that he is thankful for them. Paul's not a hypocrite, friends. He's not saying, hey, you need to live in community with one another. But when there's difficulty in his own life, in his own ministry, he doesn't say, ah, Get away from me, you heathens. Somebody says. He says, I'm thankful for you. I thank God for you. There were real issues for Paul in this church. Spoiler alert, they don't go away, friends. Even after he writes this letter, even after he writes Second Corinthians, I mean, it just does not go away. Sometimes living in a community, in a Christian community, is hard. So scratch that. (laughs) Living in a Christian community is always hard. It's worth it though, friends. It's worth it. Being a part of the body of Christ means that you're part of the family of God. Friends, that family, like all families, has some weirdos in it. I mean... There's no escaping it. Just like your family, there are people in there like, I don't know if I really want to be related to them. But guess what? You are. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Same is true with the Christian family. I mean, there are people like Matt Payton that are part of your family. I mean, the guy says that he's awesome. I've been trying to tell him that he's not, Maurice. He won't listen to me. 
I mean, I don't know what to say to the guy. But, but there's nothing he will do. He hears me now, but he's still going to say it, you know? I don't know what to say to him. I don't know how to teach him. You see what I'm saying? This is what I got to deal with on a regular basis. And I, I put up with it. I deal with it. People warned me. You know, I, I mean, I had many people warn me. Do you really want to hire Matt? I mean, that's the question they asked me. I didn't listen. But same people warned my wife about me 14 years ago. Do you really want to marry Jeff? Do you really want to do this? There are people in our lives, friends, in our Christian church, in our family. You're stuck with. We all have burdens to bear. I say this somewhat jokingly, but there's a little honesty there as well. You can't run from community, friends. You know? Even if there's a person in your life right now who's a complete pain, and you know what, guess what? If you get rid of them, there's going to be somebody else that pops up. Oftentimes, the problem isn't the person, it's, it's you. I found that to be true in my life. That God is using that person to teach me something about myself. That there is a sliver of unholiness there. Maybe sliver is a little bit of an underestimation. God is trying to teach me something about myself, something about community. He's trying to sanctify me, to try to make me holy, more like his son. Let me say something about this, though. There are some people, though, that just need to be fired. I mean, there are some people that just, they don't need to be a part of the community. They've done something so horrendous, so terrible that they need to be kicked off the island, you know? I mean, you abuse a child, you hit a woman, you, you know, you, you know what I'm talking I mean, you do something like that. There needs to be separation. There's sometimes there's times in our life when we need to separate ourselves from other people. That's okay. But there's also, more often, the rule is that we need to forgive. We need to love. We need to turn the other cheek. Difficult people you always have with you, friends. One of the books that I read in seminary is called Well-Intentioned Dragons, Ministering to Problem People in the Church by Marshall Shelley. It's a book that's worth reading if you're in church leadership at all. He talks about the dangers of, the dangers of well-intentioned people who often destroy the morale of the church. He says that most difficult people don't think they're being difficult. They have good intentions. He says that distinguishing characteristic is not what is said, but how it's said. Often they have a spirit that enjoys being an adversary rather than being an ally. 
Perhaps the greatest damage done by such people is not their direct opposition, it's more intangible. They destroy enthusiasm and morale, which is so necessary for the church health and growth. And as a result, people no longer feel good about inviting friends to worship services. The air is tense, the church is depressed, and everyone is aware of us and them. Friends, we can't snap our fingers as a church and just get rid of difficult people. If that would be the case, there would be nobody here but, you know, me. <laughs> Same is true in your work. You know? You can't just, hey, I, I don't like this job. I'm going to go down the road and skip this place and go down here and work there. There's nobody there that's difficult. Same is true in your marriage. I'm going to divorce this woman. I'm going to go and leave my kids and go here and everything's just going to be okay. Hmm. So what do you do with the difficult people? What do you do with difficult people? I'm glad you asked. Verse 5 reads, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was conformed among you. Paul says here, you are enriched in all speech and all knowledge. And God gives us the words that we need to say in these situations. He gives us the knowledge that we need to have. <laughs> Isn't that good news? I mean, when you're in these situations, just come back to this verse and just circle it, highlight it, pray it. God, you said that in every situation, in every way, you will enrich us in speech and knowledge. Give me the words to say, Lord. Give me the knowledge to know what to do in this situation. Highlight this verse. It's worth it. It's worth remembering. It's worth memorizing. Friends, the church needs men and women who can rely on the knowledge and the wisdom that God has given to us. But Dr. Bob Utley, who's a retired university professor, has this to say about academic knowledge. A man who spent years of his life in academia. Academic knowledge builds us up and leads us to pride. But God's knowledge edifies and leads us to peace and harmony and Christian fellowship. Pray about it. Seek the scriptures. Seek godly counsel. Talk to men and women who love you, who love the Lord. And be open to how God is going to speak to you. How God might lead you to deal with these difficult people, these difficult situations. How God might teach you what it means to be holy, set apart, to be called, to be invited, to be a part of the community of God. If you do that, listen to this verse, verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word gift here is charisma. In the Greek, it's related to, to grace, charos. Grace is God giving you, doing something for you that you cannot do for yourself. The gift that Paul is referring to here is spiritual gifts given to us through the Holy Spirit. God will provide for you the grace that you need, friends, in these situations. Through these difficult times, 
difficult seasons, difficult people. Paul says in verse 8 that God, when you rely on him, he will sustain you to the end. He will strengthen you when you are weak. When you're tired, when you aren't sure if you can continue. God will be there. Confirming you, sustaining you, giving you the grace that you need to continue. Amen. Sometimes life is hard, friends, and uh, you don't have the strength to continue. You don't have the will. You don't have the capacity to deal with good people, let alone difficult people. And you need God's grace. You need to be surrounded by men and women who love you and who support you. You need to be part of a community that will bear your burdens Sometimes we just need our Lord to sustain us. If you're willing to turn to him, God will give you the strength that you need. Why? Look at verse 9. Because God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God most certainly is faithful. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. Even though when I'm not, God is true. He is trustworthy. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Friends, I promise you, if given time and situations, I will fail you. If you put your trust in me, you will be sadly disappointed. I promise you that. If you compare me and our Lord, there is no comparison, friends. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. Uh, I... I... Uh, I probably listen to one more religiously than others. It's the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Uh, Carrie is out of Ontario, Canada. He started his career off, of a, off as a lawyer, but when he got right with the Lord, he uh, became a pastor, you know. That's what good people do, you know. And uh, I, uh, I like what he has to say. I like the people that he has on. He asks good questions. He's, he's just really good. And uh, he, all he does now, though, is his podcast. He doesn't pastor anymore. He writes books and he does his podcast. A few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, rather, he had on uh, Brian Zahn, who pastors Word of Life Church here in St. Joe, just up the road. And uh, he was on the podcast. Brian was on the podcast talking about a new book that he wrote in 2021. I don't know Brian. Just full disclosure here. Pastor Brian, I don't know him. I hear good things about him. And uh, when I listened to this podcast, 
Uh, I liked what he had to say, and um, I appreciated what he had to say. I really, I did. And he said this. He said, Nothing, nobody has bad things to say about Jesus, you know? That, you can't question the character of Jesus. Even people that are agnostic, even people that are, who, who question everything, you know, deny everything, they, they can't deny, they can't question the character of Jesus. Uh, and he said that most people, they want to believe in God. They want to believe in a higher power. I find that to be true. You know, and I agree that you can't question the character of Jesus. I mean, there's, what do you, what do you say bad about Jesus, right? Some of you here today, maybe you're watching from home, you may disagree with that. Let me just remind you, though, of what happened on Monday night. On Monday night, there was a football game between... game on Saturday, on Monday night, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Buffalo Bills. And uh, a player for the Bills, a, a defensive safety, made a routine tackle and after the tackle he stood up and then just within a second he passed out. His heart stopped beating really. He had cardiac arrest on the field. And that medical team had to revive and resuscitate him two different times on the field. He literally, his heart stopped beating. We all know the news. We've, we've followed it. If you haven't been living under a rock for the past week, it's been everywhere. Every newscast, every tweet. I mean, it's just everywhere you see this going on. And I mean, I was, I was watching this game and I'm as it's happening, as it's unfolding, you can see the players are on their knees and the commentators are, what are they saying? We need to be praying for DeMar Hamlin. I mean, it was everywhere. Everybody was fans, athletes, commentators, report. They were asking for prayer. I mean, I, I watched one ESPN episode NFL Live, where a former player on live TV prayed for DeMar Hamlin. I mean, I appreciate his prayer. I really, I do. And I, I wonder, though, I mean, these people that are asking for prayer, who are they praying to? You know? There's only one God, friends. There's only one true God. Who are they praying to? Who are they asking you to pray to? Is it not to our God? Is it not to the most high God? In dire situations, in difficult situations, people, they want to believe, friends. They want to believe. The reason the church is in decline, the reason that so many people believe that God is dead isn't because of God's character. Isn't because of Jesus' character. You know? Why is it? 
Is it us? Is it me? Is it you? The truth is, friends, what we do with our life is a testimony to the character of God. What we do with our life, with our decisions, how we act, people are watching. I promise you. They're watching you. They're watching me. They're watching us. They want to believe. Father, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. Father, I pray that you would guide us today, every day, to live a life that would bring you honor and glory. But as we conclude with this service, as we stand and as we sing, Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us in a way that we need to hear. I pray that for myself. I pray, Lord, that we would hear you and that we would respond. And that we would be honest with you, honest with ourselves, honest with others. That we wouldn't just stand and sing another song. That we wouldn't just hear your word and move on with our day. But that we would recognize the need for change. And that we would do something about it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that if someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of life. And admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that they don't leave this place without making that confession. If that would be the case, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.